You're listening to the Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Kyle Brown. We've been talking more about sustainability lately, and today I've got Josh Hepte, who's the superintendent over at San Luis Obispo's County Parks course, which is one of the first zero-waste clubs in the world. And we wanted to talk a little bit about what it means to really put these ideas of sustainability into practice, especially with something like a zero-waste course itself. So how are you doing today, Josh? I'm doing very well, Kyle. Thanks. Great. Just to define it to start, what does it really mean to be a zero-waste golf club? Well, I think really that could mean a lot of different things to different people. It's, it's kind of hard to, to describe zero waste in one synopsis, but essentially what we're trying to do is to try and look at our entire waste stream from what we bring onto the facility and then what we're sending off the facility. So for us, that means that we're composting or vermicomposting all of our food waste, so none of that is going into the landfill. We're also looking at our paper goods, cardboard, any other kind of green materials of, of utilizing any of those materials in our composters so that none of that goes into the, la the landfills as well. well. What does it look like on the course itself? We've got three courses that I manage and the one that we chose to do this was, the, we're looking at this as kind of the model and that was at Dairy Creek Golf Course. Hmm. Uh, so we don't have a lot of trees, we don't have a lot of green waste in that regard and most of our grass clippings and things we already recycle mowers where that just gets returned to the turf to begin with. But we are collecting all of our greens clippings. Uh, we do occasionally catch our tee box clippings. Um, so all of that goes into our composters and then all of the food waste and green waste material and paper goods that gets composted. Right now we don't have a good way to masticate that or as a way to grind it. If we could get to where we could grind that down to a quarter inch size or smaller, our plans are to go out and spread that on our tee boxes or our fairways. But right now what we're doing is we're using that along with our vermicompost and we're, we're creating our own uh, compost tea. So we're brewing 500 gallons of compost tea at a time and we'll put that in our spray rig and go spray that across our green surfaces to try and help us minimize any kind of pesticide usage. It adds some fertility. I'm not real sure that there's enough fertility that are really eliminating inorganic fertilizers at this point but it is another way to try and enhance our soil microbial populations as well as any kind of resistance to disease that there might be out there. We haven't really gotten a good chance to get a lot of the research done yet. We're working with one of the local universities, California Polytechnic University here, which is close to us. We're looking forward to get the testing and get some data on how that's improving or impacting our surfaces. It's always great to actually have numbers to put that into perspective so we kind of see what, actually, what that actually does for you. This kind of thing doesn't just start on its own. How did this all start for you guys? It's kind of an interesting, I guess, an interesting answer for that as well. I was actually a golf course superintendent at a private club in Arkansas, and I was looking at the waste stream that was going into our dumpsters after our weekends. You know, we had big banquets on Fridays. You had a Saturday and Sunday morning brunch, and we were pumping just a lot of food waste into the dumpster at the end of every every weekend. Things that couldn't be reused in the kitchen were just going straight into the dumpsters. I thought, why don't we try and use that source as a compost or do something to mix out. We had a lot of pine needles and tree trimmings and all kinds of stuff that we could have created a good compost pile or, or scenario. The club that I was at there wasn't really fully behind that. Plus, I wasn't sure how we would necessarily deal with that as far as uh, vector pathogens and animals getting into a compost pile which we've resolved that in our system we've got here at Dairy Creek and the fact that uh, they're in-vessel and they're contained composters, um, so there's no way in any animal or anything can get into there. But when I moved out here to California, I still had interest in that. And when I took over the golf property, we had a big gypsum silo that I'd ask, you know, what was that being used for? And 
they said, well, we put it in and it never really worked. It was bridging and, and had some issues. So there were some injector pumps and things there. So I thought, boom, perfect. This is how we could use compost. <laughs> how can we make that work? And one of our golf course marshals actually stopped me one day. You know, I'd never met him before. And he asked, hey, can I sit down and talk with you? And so we started chatting. His son-in-law actually was in the compost tea business mm. on an ag-based side. He said, so what do you think about doing some trials? Can we get him to come out and just, you know, he can provide the material. We can do some trials on the putting green just to see what it does. And so we did that for about six months. And then we started looking. You know, I told him one day we went out and we took some soil samples from underneath. And I told him, well, nothing looks different. And he was totally bummed. He was like, oh, so we're not seeing any good things. I said, no, this is good. We're not seeing any difference. So what we are doing yeah. compost tea isn't any different, so that means that we can utilize that to replace something else. And so that's kind of where it all started. He and I both applied for some grants through one of our national estuary programs here in our area called the Morro Bay National Estuary Program. And they supplied the county parks with $5,000 worth of implementation grant funding, which allowed us to do some infrastructure, get some different things up and going for the site as part of what we now call our zero waste park at Dairy Creek. And then it allowed Richard and his nonprofit that he formed to get some information and educational outreach money, $5,000 for that, which helped us mm -hmm. put the signage up, get some PR out in the media, and create a lot of the signage and visual stuff that's at our park trying to teach the community of how they can use the processes that we're using at the golf course to do that at home or their business or their school or wherever it might be to improve our community overall. And well, speaking of that, not everyone can really run a zero-waste course. It's not really plausible for some of these guys. So, you know, what are some small things that a superintendent can do to kind of start things off on his course? Well, I think the easiest thing is just looking at your waste stream. You know, what is it that you're utilizing? Can you change some of the products that you're using that don't have to go to the landfill, but that can be recycled. I mean, that's the easiest way. Most communities have some sort of recycling program across the country. I don't know where I came from in the Midwest, that that wasn't up and going or real strong like what it is out here in California, but I think to some degree that almost everywhere has some sort of recycling project. So that's the biggest thing is, is look at your waste stream. What's going into the trash? What's going anywhere else? And can you utilize that in a different pathway? Or can you change the way that you're using things? You know, there's always tipping fees associated with your trash. So if you can eliminate that stuff, there's some cost savings there. So another way that golf superintendents can look towards zero waste is the usage of, if they've got a restaurant, using the fats, oils, and greases to create their own biodiesel. I've got some superintendents out here in California that I've been speaking with that, you know, I'm paying almost $4.60 on average per gallon of diesel fuel to have it shipped and brought to my facility. Um, and a lot of these guys are producing their own biodiesel for just under a dollar, sometimes as little as 50 cents a gallon. So that's significant cost savings when you're looking at your bottom line at the end of every year. Then it's utilizing less of a natural resource or global resource as well. You can save money and be better for the environment. I mean, that's, that's the home run, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. The other thing that we're doing, which is not really a new tactic, it's basically the way golf was created or a lot of the way the golf courses were before they were golf courses. We've got sheep actually now on our property. <laughs> about 30 to 40 acres of kind of natural outside outline areas in between holes or on the outside of the golf course. Um, so what we're trying to do is we're trying to use grazing techniques, working again with California Polytechnic University, to measure or record what the plant populations are doing. So in our environmental impact report that was done before the golf course was created, we know what the plant species were beforehand, and we'd like to turn those areas back into that native natural area. 
So we've done some plant population studies to find out what our populations are currently, and then over time with the use of sheep, we hope to try and move those plant species back to what the natural population was. So it's more kind of an experiment with land management, which kind of goes back into zero waste because it's eliminating any pesticides that we might use to try and control noxious weeds or uh, undesirable plant species, and plus it keeps us from having to go out there and mow and, and things like that. Where can a superintendent find out more about this? You can Google Zero Waste Golf and we pop up quite a bit. You can go to my blog site as well. I've got a lot of material up there, www.blowcountygolfcourses.blogspot.com. And I'm going to be speaking at, at the Experience Green event, which is going to be happening down in Hilton Head Island at the beginning of October, October 3rd and 4th. And then I'll also be speaking about this a couple different times at the Golf Industry Show as part of the Environmental Institute for Golf with Greg Lyman in February. Well, I think it's a really great goal to be able to run a course like that, and hopefully we've got a couple ideas here today that superintendents can put into practice on their own. So I really appreciate your help. Thanks so much. Yeah, I appreciate it too, Kyle. Thanks for your time today.